Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with a guy who's been wrestling with God for a good long time, my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Yo, Father Len. Yo, Irish. Yeah, I've been wrestling with, I almost had him pinned the other day. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he wiggled out, huh? does he always wins <laughs> i love it well i'm really looking forward to what we're going to be talking about today it's something called salvation and i don't know that i completely understand it i think i do but i, I don't know whether uh, everybody does it's mentioned frequently in the bible and the bible tells us salvation is a really big deal and something god seeks for all of us and it also says that God desires all men to be saved. So, Father Len, help us understand salvation and what God wants us to be saved from. First, I have to say, I, just, I always think it's kind of silly when people ask the question, are you saved? I don't, like, reminds me of that, you know, Princess Bride movie. I don't <laughs> think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> I just think they throw that around as superiority, but they have no idea. But really, salvation, it means both freedom and belonging. So it's salvation means saved from harm, but also to be set free. But by freedom, it doesn't mean free to do whatever selfish thing that I want to do. Uh, that's just another form of slavery to the ego. It is freedom to be something, freedom to be with and for others. To be truly with and for others, that's a whole lot of dying to the ego. No kidding. So, so if you start with Moses, everybody knows that Moses was the great leader that led the Israelites out of slavery to the promised land. But they forget that actually before that, before he was a great leader, he was a nothing he himself escaped Egypt by himself and was living with his wife and his flocks and he was safe and he was in one sense free. But it's only then at that point that he's a nothing, really nothing, that he has this conversion at this burning bush experience. And it's the experience with God that calls him back to Egypt. And basically it's saying, yeah, you escaped Egypt, but you're really not free. You are not free until you go back and get everybody free. So salvation is not about just me being free. It's about me and everybody else becoming free. I'm not free unless you're free. So Moses has to go back into Egypt. And I love this, that the word or the name for Egypt in Hebrew, they call it the Narrows. I just love that. The Narrows. The Narrows is the place where you're living, but you're shackled, held down, oppressed. And I love that the Old Testament gives Egypt this name. So Egypt is not really a place. It's more or less kind of a, a style of life. Egypt is the narrow place. And then they're free. And they went to the expansive place. So one of the Psalms says, I cried out to God and God answered me and set me free. Basically, God gave me space. But the idea that Egypt was the narrows is also what makes Egypt a sense of safety. And I know that sounds strange, but 
why do the Israelites keep saying, well, let's go back to Egypt? Things weren't that bad in Egypt. Yeah, we were <laughs> slaves and they're killing our children and we're beaten and we died, but it wasn't that bad. Well, that makes no sense when they say that, right? So no. it's making this point psychologically. Of course, unless you understand the narrowness, narrowness also means a type of kind of safety. It's like the abused wife who can't imagine striking out on her own. Like the abused wife might want freedom, but freedom scares the poop. What am I supposed to do? How am I going to make it? Sometimes being confined, even if we kick against it, is less fearful than being loosed. And a psychoanalyst wrote in the wake of World War II, he said, quote, there is an unease in human beings, innate desire to escape from freedom. I think that's actually really true. We don't, don't, in a certain sense, want to be free. Everybody says that they want to be free. And then we construct all these sorts of means in our life to make sure that we can't be free. I want freedom, but I don't want any changes to be set free. In fact, we use language of unfreedom to bind ourselves. You know, like when you've asked me to move a couch and I said, gee, I, I would love to help you, Irish, but I can't, which really <laughs> means I don't want to. But it sounds better than I won't. So you just say, well, I'm not free to. The real answer is I don't want to. To be restricted feels better than to be free because freedom means choices and choices and choices and choices can be difficult. And so what we really want is freedom and structure. We don't just want to be set free. We want to be free with certain structures to make it possible for us to be free and safe. You know, that that just rings so true in my life because my career has been teaching people creativity. And everybody says, you know, they want to be free to create whatever they want. And if you put a blank page in front of them, they don't know what to create. They have no idea. Even though they say they want to be creative, they need some kind of framework, some kind of uh, a structure or an intention for their creativity. And I'll give you an example. It's like uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, who's built this amazing career, and it's built around a simple structure, a simple intention, and that is helping people live their best life. So this sets off all kinds of creativity for Oprah. And it's a little bit, I got to thinking about our uh, Wrestling with, uh, with God show, where I think our intention or mission that hopefully helps us be creative in the way that we do this is to build this bridge to religion and the Catholic Church for young people and the non-religious, where we can show them that religion and the Catholic Church are antidotes to the chaos in life and a means to peace and joy and happiness and, and, and lasting loving relationships and discovering who we're really meant to be. So with that intention, you know, we have a sense of where we're going. If we just said we're going to do this podcast and, you know, we want it to be cool and we want it to be something you know, we, 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 we need structure. I, I really get that. And, and I think we thrive in it. That is funny. Cause I was talking to a young 20 year old who was, wasn't using the word freedom, but he just wants to be free and do whatever he wants. And I'm 
when he was talking, I, I couldn't think of the words, but it's like, no, you really don't want that. <laughs> it sounds great, but you have to have focus and structure. You know, we want freedom, but we don't want it to be capricious and open-ended. We want order. And in fact, in our Catholic mass, what we're praying for is the order of the kingdom of God, not the order created by human structures or just capricious living. And I just think it's amazing. Why associate freedom with order? Because freedom requires structure. Freedom without structure is just chaos. It's emptiness. And the reason that I've said it's particularly relevant for us right now is that in our constricted world, it's been a safe one. And out there, everything else is unsafe. There's this virus and there's this fear and the world is dangerous. Other people in this COVID era could be dangerous. And so you stay home, you limit your contact, and maybe you've stayed f safe, but you're constricted and you're confined. And so there's kind of been this tug of war in our society, as I suppose there is in everybody's heart, between freedom and safety. Some have pushed more one way, some have pushed more the other way. And it's not about who's more accurate or less accurate. It's about this existential human struggle that goes on inside all of us between the desire for safety and structure and the desire for freedom, uh, between chaos and order. And so for me, I, when you say salvation, yeah, everybody wants salvation is just another word for freedom, but it's freedom with structure. So now if you return, we return back to the Israelites, what did they want? They wanted to get out of the narrows. They wanted to get out of Egypt. They've come from the narrowness and they go into the least structured place in the world. It's called the desert where there's nothing but open sky and level sand. It is free. It's as free as you want to be. And how much more freedom could God could have given them than being brought into the desert? And what do they say? It's too free. It's way too free. We don't want this much freedom. We want to return back to the structure of the narrow, narrows where we were slave. As bad as it was, at least I knew my place. And if you won't give it to us, we're going to create it for ourselves because we're not mature enough to really handle kind of a new type of structure. So that's why they made the golden calf. And human beings do this all the time. In totalitarian regimes, you have this overstructured routine. You have to destroy freedom, but at least you have structure. People create these totalitarian lifestyles because they fear freedom without structure. What does God try and give us but structured freedom? And if you give me complete freedom, I'll build some golden calf. What we want is freedom and structure. That's why God gives them the law. It's intended really to grant freedom and structure, not to make them slaves, but to liberate their spirit for a higher service and a greater sense of freedom. We understand that part of the reason that we built the whole golden calf or they built a whole is that they didn't want that much freedom. They want something to tie them down, to keep tangible, something that they could touch that would put them back in a straitjacket of routine so they wouldn't be so afraid. So explain the golden calf real quick so that people understand what you're talking about there. Okay, so they're set free and 
Moses, They're in the desert, right? In the desert. They're okay. free. Moses goes up in the mountain to talk to God, but it's 40 days. And the problem is, is that they start to worry. Well, what is he doing up there? And he really doesn't come back to the 41st day. And they start to freak out that we're, we're getting no, you know, we, we don't know what's going on. And so they came from this place of idols. So they create their own idol. They weren't really rejecting God. They wanted God on terms where they could control God. Like hmm. you can control an idol. And it imposes a certain order. Sometimes you meet people who they say, oh, I worship God. I worship Yahweh. And when you're talking to them, you realize oh, that's the God of hate and violence. And, you know, you say you worship God, but you form God into an image that you can control that supports all your hatreds and bigotries. And then you say, I worship God. So they really didn't like freedom. And it just strikes me that, you know, like our society is opening up again after COVID and we're regaining our freedom. And if we're wise, we'll use that freedom not to be chaotic or selfish. If we're wise, we'll use freedom and structure to have both order and openness. And the ultimate place of freedom and order is heaven where everybody is completely set free, but not self-absorbed. So heaven is a place of freedom and order. So Christ came to bring us the ultimate salvation, and that's freedom. So the prophecies is that the Christ would be this new Moses and set us free from all our enemies, not just Egypt, but all our enemies. And the real enemies are not the Egyptians or the Romans or the Canadians. Our real enemy our hate and injustice and selfishness and the ego. Um, We're our own enemies is what you're right. saying. All, you could sum it up in the word sin. That's what Christ is going to really set us free from. So Christ is the new Moses. God takes on human flesh, comes to earth, and the earth is the narrow place and leads all humanity out of narrowness to ultimate freedom. And that freedom has an order to it. And that freedom is not individual, but communal. Moses is not free until everybody is set free. Moses so, was living outside of Egypt. And he can't say at that point, well, I'm free. I'm not free because not everybody is set free. So he has to go back and get the family of God so that we all belong together. So, so Jesus comes to help us see how to save us from ourselves but are you also saying that uh, salvation, we're part of salvation and we should be helping others save themselves and find salvation? Because you said Moses, you know, he left on his own, but then he had to go back. And, uh, you know, uh, freedom and salvation weren't achieved until he brought his whole flock along, his whole family. Right. So so we're part of this whole salvation thing? Yeah, I'm, like, I, I'm not free until you're also more free. So uh, in Judaism, salvation of the individual is connected to the entire people. There is In Judaism, there is no such thing as personal salvation. Um, and I, I really like it. There's the term personal salvation to me is always such a ridiculous phrase because the concept of salvation is tied to everybody being free. So salvation is not only freedom, but it means freedom to belong to and with a community. So yeah, I, it, it always strikes me as crazy 
when people talk about personal salvation, because I'm not truly set free unless I go back into Egypt and save other people from the Narrows. So Moses was just on the border of freedom. He wasn't really free till he went back and got everybody. And we'd say, well, salvation, real salvation is accomplished through the death and resurrection of Christ. So liturgically, it starts at baptism where baptism starts this journey to freedom out of the narrowness. But also baptism is a sense of belonging to the people of God, that we're all one. And the Eucharist fuels this journey to more and more salvation and deeper belonging. So it's freedom, but it's structured freedom. It's not the freedom of just thinking I can do whatever I want. Salvation is a freedom of belonging to a family and a community. So, yeah, I I love that idea, the concept of salvation as being this mix of freedom and structure and belonging. Well, and responsibility. I mean, if you're you're selfish, you're you're not saving yourself and you're also not saving anyone else. I mean, you're going to create this whole world of selfishness. Yeah. When people like the 20-year-old say that they want freedom, mm, I don't think so. You want out of the narrows, but you don't want complete freedom. You also want some sense of belonging. Now, how we get salvation, that's a whole different issue. We'll have to do a podcast on that, an episode on that, Father Land. Well, I can sum it up real quick. The Catholics would say you need three things for salvation. One, repentance, and that's basically leaving Egypt. You know, to have freedom, yeah, you have to leave Egypt. Or in the Catholic term, it's entering the cross where you leave your old life behind. But first you have to kind of realize that you're living in a form of slavery. Like St. Patrick, when he was 16 years old, um, I love in his autobiography where he basically says, why do I need religion? I live a very comfortable life. And only (laughs) later does he realize, no, that comfortable life was actually a form of ignorance and slavery. Or St. Ignatius, he was only concerned about his military career. And after this period of month of recovering, discovers prayer and how unfulfilling just being concerned about yourself and your career and accumulating is that, wow, he was living in Egypt. So he had to die for that. Now, Richard Dawkins, he's kind of the Pope of atheists. He would disagree with this and say, there is no such thing as an existential slavery because there's no such thing as evil except religion, which is the greatest evil. I know it's, he's, I, I can't, he's so illogical. Like how, if you don't believe in evil, why do you call religion the greatest evil? I have no but idea. For him, like his idea of freedom is, you no know, friends, it always strikes me as freedom to do whatever I want. Without worrying about the consequences for other yeah. people well, or other things. Yeah. Don't really have to save other people or sacrifice. To me, uh, that's a form of death. And like when I say death, there's this concept I like, and I've always liked it, called the cut flowers. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. So, you know, if you cut flowers off and bring them inside and put them in a vase, they just look alive and beautiful for that moment. Yeah, if it doesn't cut, last long. <laughs> but if they're cut off from the connection to the roots and others, they're actually dead or dying. You know, it has to be attached to something greater. 
Yeah, they um, look alive for a minute or two, and then they're dead. But yeah, but without an attachment yep. to roots. And so we'd say, well, Lent for us, the cross is us realizing, oh, no, we're the ones who have died. Or, you know, we're the ones who are, we need to attach ourselves to the source of life and each other. Mm-hmm. So I just love that idea. When, as I said, when people say, are you saved? I always kind of like to say, kind of. <laughs> I mean, I was at my baptism, but I'm journeying to greater and greater freedom. And, but they always use the term as, are you saved? As I, I'm, I'm going to be in a comfortable place thinking just of myself, Yep. which is actually, that's not saved at all. That's unsaved. That's just creating a golden calf out of religion itself. So I think the real life is moving towards salvation, freedom and structure and connection with other people. So the first thing is repentance, being able to leave Egypt, um, die to your ego. The second thing is faith. And remember, pistis in Greek means trust, that you have to have faith in Christ. Or even using the Old Testament, when the people were set free, and Moses prayed over the water. The water I'm talking about is actually, in the Bible, it'll say the Red Sea, but actually in the original language, it's the Sea of Reeds. And you have to understand the Hebrew were terrified of water. They're just absolutely terrified of water. And they're pinned against uh, this body of water, the Sea of Reed, and the soldiers are coming at them. And God does push back the water so that they have suddenly this miracle of a, free place to walk but the water didn't part until they first tried to uh, step into the water and i love that that it's just not like logically the water parted so then you ran through you had to step out and then when their foot stepped out then the then water, the water parted. parted and i love that and it's not logical and i like that but god's logic is different than us one thing i found is the world is not logical you need trust and faith, second step. Yeah, that's the definition of faith, taking the step. Right. You'll find out if it's the right step, but only if you take the step. If you don't you take the step, faith. yeah, you have to have faith. And the third is baptism. But baptism is a whole theological idea. But, yeah, and then, so baptism, we'd say, um, for us, we spend 50 days of Easter celebrating the new life of baptism but for lent we celebrate now nah, this is time to of repentance of leaving egypt behind so salvation simply is this freedom from our flaws from uh you know not well freedom from sin freedom from everything that's keeping us half alive yeah there's a I... lot of zombies walking around yeah, no, that and, I mean that total makes sense. It, re- it and really, and I'm one does. of them. <laughs> no, really, I mean, I like the older I get, I just think you become more and more free, and people become more precious. And yeah, and I think you also realize that this is a community, and that you do have a responsibility. That you know, getting rid of hate and selfishness and 
anger and all that kind of stuff has an effect on everybody and it's a good effect and that's that's really what you're talking about in terms of salvation i think it's a good thing and what we need to be saved from you know in the bible nowhere does god save an individual god always saves a community yeah moses escapes egypt at first but he has to go back well, Father Lynn, I, I think you've given me at least a whole different sense of what salvation is, a much richer, deeper understanding, and and I won't be running around announcing that I'm saved to anybody, I think, anytime soon. I don't think that would be a good thing. Or at least say, we're saved. <laughs> yeah, I will, I'll, I'll go into the—it'll be more of a communal thing, I promise you. Anyway, we appreciate you listening to the Wrestling With God show. And we welcome your comments and questions uh, on this episode or any of our episodes. It's easy to get those to us. You just head over to our website, www.gshow.com. That's www.gshow.com. And you click on the questions button. It's a little. It's in a little blue ribbon at the top of the page. And if you're enjoying the Wrestling With God show, please share your favorite episodes with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It does help people discover us. And, and by the way, subscribing is free. Some people, I think, are confused by that because often subscriptions you have to pay for. In our case, our podcast is completely free. And if you subscribe, it guarantees you'll always know when we publish a new episode. So we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey, climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, meaning, and purpose in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.